Welcome to Founders and Friends, the company podcast for Tally Foods, hosted by its founders, Kyle Watts, John Gabizadeh, and Dr. Susan Marie Flugel. Hey, what's up, John? Yo, what up, dude? What up, man? How you doing on this Thursday, June 22nd? No complaints, but the weather is like fall or approaching winter here in New York on the first day of summer. <laughs> so dramatic. It's 50, 58 degrees right oh, now. Oh, really? On, on, uh, at 12.30 in the afternoon. Yeah, it's, it's nice here in Denver. Um, the uh, the weather has been great here. It's been super rainy and wet, which has been nice. I'm so, nice. sorry it's cold there in New York. I know you hate the cold weather. I hate it. I, I don't hate it. I mean, I just... I know I don't. I, I hate cold weather, but I can. I, I like cool weather, so I can deal with this. On today's podcast, I want to talk about lessons learned, so folks can hear what we've been up to in terms of since launch. We started this podcast in December, this sort of monthly check-in, and we've learned a lot and changed a lot in terms of our plant-based milk, in terms of fundraising, and learning a lot of variables that are honestly outside of our control that have affected us along this journey. But we persist and we continue. I think that's the key part about being an entrepreneur is you you just have to find a way through it. You know, you, th- it's never going to go exactly to plan. And then there's no one to re- report to and to get bailed out by. You just have to take the variables as they come and persist. I know that you've been doing that your whole life, right? A whole life. <laughs> I'm used to it. Yeah, you're used to variables changing, costs changing, fundraising fluctuating, cash position moving up and down. Absolutely, you got to be you got to be on point throughout the day uh, to react and, and change as as unexpected things come up uh, to adjust to the to the you know to move forward. Right? I mean, if if one person if if if, if entrepreneurs start something. Right, you just have to be prepared for that to be able to succeed. There are things outside of our control that I think, as a first-time entrepreneur, for me, I feel like you don't really get down as much as I do, and you sort of take it more in stride. Sometimes I have to take a beat and sort of process the the grief, if you will, of oh, this isn't going to go the way that I wanted it to go, or the way we thought it was going to go, and then I have to like almost grieve that for a second. Re- recapture my courage and then I'm able to proceed. I know that last weekend, that was actually a week ago, Monday, I was so depressed. I had, I was utterly depressed about the challenges of this business, not that we're like struggling or anything, but I was just depressed about all of the variables that just seem to be hitting. Cause like, you do all these activities and it doesn't always pay off that day or that week, you know? And, and so when you mm-hmm. reach out to a hundred people, you know, to your point, like, and you told me this multiple times, you have to reach out two, three, four times. And so when you spend a day reaching out to people, letting them know about your brand, et cetera, or, or if you're reaching out to investors, letting them know, Hey, here's what we're doing. We know it's going to be great. And then you just get nothing back at the end of the day. Sometimes that can be that can be tough. But you have experience dealing with the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, and you seem to handle it in stride. You, you never seem to like get really scared or bummed out uh, by any given permutation in a in a day. 
which I appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate everything you said right now. It's not easy, right? Uh, like you said, that you're not handed a roadmap where you know you know where to go, right? Uh, you you plan something; it doesn't go as planned. But uh, you know, you have you have good days, you have bad days, but you have to you have to adjust to the situation and, and react immediately. So, uh, I think you're doing phenomenal, uh, right? It's it's all a learning curve experience, and I I. I you know, I, I, my, my expectation on the initial launch was not what I thought it would be, right? As far as uh, milk, I'm realizing that uh, there's definitely a bigger learning curve for a buyer to understand what our product is. You know, they've been hurt so many times with plant-based milks, probably, you know, 200 different types launched in the past decade. They're cautious of what they want to bring in. But your persistency uh, is is definitely paying off, right? You got to annoy the crap out of these buyers. Just annoy them till they say, "Leave me alone," or "Here's an order," and it's paying off. I mean, right now, if you add the chains, you got a good six, seven large chains totaling maybe a uh, hundred stores. That that'll that'll get good 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 starting point to give us uh, sales velocity and see how the product will move at at the you know at the price point we want to sell at. So. It's all a learning learning curve, right? The people make mistakes. With the distributor, you know, we thought we were going to go with the, the freight option one, uh, where they would pick up. That we realized our SRP was too high. Regardless, I think everything is moving well. It's just uh, different products have different different success. I mean, I, I've I've launched you know products, uh, egg egg product that uh, in, in new at Kehi, where we're getting you know sold out in. Uh, uh, you know, in a matter of weeks. And the difference is because it was just competitor, you know, two products in market with the same or, or, or brand new. But in this case, milk is just more complicated. Milk is a little bit more saturated. Plant-based milk is more saturated. I know that there's a plant-based milk launching next to us at UNFI. There's a pistachio milk, you know, and I'm thinking, God, God bless them. I mean, I'm sure the product's great, but good luck with that. Cause if you're just serving an adult a different type of milk, maybe it's easier. I don't know. I'm not them. But telling our story has definitely been a point of uh, ex- extreme effort that we have to put in to be like, hey, we're not just another plant-based milk. We are here to serve an entirely new market and expand the category to kids. And I'm super confident in that. Once it's on shelf and once a mother gets hooked on the brand and starts realizing it's going to work for their kids... I think we're going to see tremendous velocities, but I think to your point, getting through the first door, the buyer's door and getting them to really believe that tally and that plant-based milk can expand is hot, is, is, is difficult. I, I agree. The barrier is not, is not the consumer in this, in this point, because like you said, you're right. I agree. Once it's on the shelf, the mother will, will, will try it because there is a brand out there that, uh, ripple, ripple kids, Right, ours just has better selling points as another option. It's the buyer. It's the barriers. The buyer to, to to persuade them to have them accept it. Yeah, and once we persuade them, I'm pumped about it. And we persuaded a couple. So we have Food Bazaar and Fairway in New York. Thanks to you, those are a couple good accounts. Yeah, 
Yeah. And then Pete's Fresh Market in Chicago is going to take us in. That's 17 stores. How many stores is Food Bazaar in Fairway? 30 stores. Yep. So that's 30 stores. And then we have Lassen's Markets in Los Angeles, Jensen's in Los Angeles, and then Better Health in Michigan, and then about 30 different random independents throughout the country pulling it in as well. So, you know, at the end of the day, after a couple more come in, we'll be at about 100 stores. Um, it's a good start, good starting point, right? Just make sure we, we stock these stores, uh, show the velocity is rotating and, you know, go to, go to the bigger retailer from there, uh, a Wegmans perhaps, right. And, and, and bring them on board at that point. Yep. Yep. I think it's, yeah, I, th- I think it'll be good once it's on the shelf, you know? And I think that to building the business this way is, is fine because we don't we don't really have a ton of capital to do a large production run anyway. So if we keep grinding and picking up these stores as we have been every day for the past twenty days, we've been adding new stores every day. Um, I, I think we're going to be just just fine. And it's kind of needs to be a slower burn anyway in this fundraising environment, which is why we uh, launched the powder. You know the the toddler formula. Uh, we we thought of the formula back in. I want to say like late March, early April, March, uh, April, April one. Was it April one? And then we're scheduled yeah. to produce that. We've done packaging, all that, and we're scheduled to produce that at the end of July. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm really, really pumped about that. That that is a product that I see. I, I wouldn't say velocity, right? Uh, it's it's low velocity, but better margins. And, you know, we're, we're competing against a brand out there that's, uh, you know, grown to 25,000 points of distribution in, in two years. So uh, we'll be a better challenger. We have a better formula. Uh, our, our product is oat milk based and mothers trust oat milk. So it's going to be something that they'll give their kids. Our, uh, you know, our, our nutrients are just much, much better overall. Uh, I'm very confident in the success of that of that product me, in, in both SKUs, the original and probiotic. Me too. That organic process has been interesting to go through. It was really hard to what, hit. What hell? I know. What hell? Getting certified organic is hard because you have to be 95% organic by by weight. And so, you know, which is a good standard, obviously. But like our vitamins are heavy. And their organic standards don't allow certain vitamins to be included in organic products. So, like, I thought coming in that you could just put whatever you want in the other 5%. That's not true. They regulate the other the other 5%. So, if 95% is organic and they have to approve all the certs, the other 5% has to be organic compliant. And they have this list of items that are organic compliant. And a couple of our vitamins at the last minute, we realized we're not in that list. And so, we had to swap those vitamins out. Furthermore, it was even hard to get to 95% because our vitamin package is so big and and dense that we had to trim down our vitamin package to reach organic status. But we know organic is is important and cutting down a little bit on calcium or what have you is is it's more important to be organic. Right? And so we rushed through that process. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean Susan did a, a phenomenal job has been a great, great, great asset uh, throughout the formulation process. 
uh, with, with everything, including regulation. And she did a great job formulating the vitamin mineral package, uh, matching whole milk. But the problem was that it was causing our organic status to be under 95%. So we had to adjust that. The learning curve was, was uh, a month and a half time for us because we actually finished formulation in, 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 mid, in late August, uh, April. So, you know, after three weeks, we were ready, but the, had to go back and forth regarding cutting that out, finding a supplier. We thought the first one could supply us organic material. Then that didn't pan out after a month That's right. of getting the formulas. And then we had to find organic minerals. And then the organic certification didn't accept the organic minerals. So then we had to just finally cut it uh, to get the organic certification. So we're holding in a good spot. I mean, you know, uh, it's definitely an important uh, certification for us. And we got kicked out of our co-packer halfway through the process. And if you found a different co-packer like the same day. That was a bless. Everything happens for a reason. And that, that was a, a, a true blessing from the skies. We were going to do a gusset bag and I was not happy with that style of bag because everything's in canisters, right? Yeah. We couldn't find a canister supplier when we first started. And, uh, we went ahead for a month, worked with a co-packer to make our product in a gusset bag. And after you know, three weeks, four weeks, the, the co-packer thought it was a baby formula and said, I can't make this. We accepted that. We literally, next day, just surfed the net, found like 10 different co-packers, reached out. One of them communicated right away, had a call that day, and they do exactly the canister type we want. And here we are today. So- that totally worked in our favor. It did. So less, less, lesson is when something happens where you think it's not to your benefit, just let things pan out, accept it, don't argue it, and it's for the better. Yeah, you do a good job handling those variables. Sometimes those variables stress me out probably more than, more than you. But I think the key to being an entrepreneur is, is your ability to, to to live in an uncomfortable place for an uncomfortable amount of time. That's right. And there's so much to unpack with that, which I won't go into, but it's really as simple as that. You have to be financially uncomfortable, emotionally uncomfortable. And like, you have to be willing to endure mental pain. Mental, (laughs) mental pain is when, you either don't have the answer or things aren't going your way and you don't quite have the answer to how to fix it yet. And you have to be willing to like sit in that. There's actually uh, Ray Dalio, the founder of uh, Bridgewater, which is the largest, one of the largest um, private equity firms in the, in the world. Um, he, he wrote a great book called Principles. And one thing that stuck out with me, John, that I think applies to this is he always says pain is the truth and you have to lean into it. So what he means by that is if something is really painful, it's because your intuition and the, your intelligence is telling you like the truth is here. We just have to find it. Um, like for example, like it's painful to, um, it's painful to call all these accounts. Right. Um, and to like, ha- be like, okay, I have to like, triple down on this and like really push tally a lot. But like that is the path. 
like that is actually what needs to be done. And so if you were to like skirt away from that pain or be like, I don't want to do that, or it sucks. I have to do that. I can't believe I have to do this. I really didn't think I was going to have to do this. You're, you're missing the point, you know? And, and so you have to lean into that and take a beat. I take a beat, you know, take a half hour and then you got to dive into that, man. Right. Well, well said. And I, I commend you for your outreach to these accounts. Uh, I mean, you're, you're diligent every day and that's paying off though, right? Just, just be in their face. It's painful. Getting a no is painful, but when you get that one yes, you know, it lightens the whole mood and day. And, and, you know, again, it's not easy. I, I would recommend people, you know, just take some, take an hour or two, think about the situation, then go back to it, right? You don't have to, uh, react right away, uh, and, and things will just, uh, you know, work out. I mean, you'll think about the right strategy, right thing to do. Yeah. When, when a customer says no, that you had your hat hung on or, or that you really thought you were going to get, that's painful. But at the same time, it's like, what are you going to do next? Or you get kicked out of your co-packer. That's painful. You could get frustrated and stop. And, but you, you have to lean into the pain. You have to like almost seek it out because it's the, usually it's the quickest way through. So that's what I feel proud of us for having done that. The sales process for what I've been doing has been interesting. So we, we stocked up these DCs, KHE and UNFI. And then these DCs have sales reps, um, as, as you well know. But these sales reps, they rep. I mean, rep is a is a loose term. They don't really represent your brand at all. They work for the distributor. And so if you rely on them to represent your brand, they have thousands of brands that are under their category. So you might have one rep that covers four states of a distributor that has thousands of SKUs. Do you think they really care about Tally Kids? To your point earlier about selling it, like we have to be the ones that sell it. And so what I do is I take their store account list and then I look for like little chains. I look for like multiple, like 10 store chains, five store chains. And then I call them. Okay. And then I figure out who is the, the lead buyer. And by calling them, I actually, I'm calling grocery stores. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. I'm calling grocery stores. I'm talking to a cashier. That's who picks up the phone. And I tell them, Hey, I want to speak to the person that purchases from Kehi. And it might take a couple transfers, a couple wait hold times. I may have to repeat myself four times. I don't care. I eventually get to the person that buys from Kehi. I tell them about Tally. I get their email. And then I send them an email and say, hey, here's Tally. We talked on the phone. And then I take that and I share it with the distributor rep and go, hey, look, I've called this account. They're interested in Tally. Can you help get the order placed to them? And that's that's what you have to do. Uh, again, well, well, well done. I, I, I look at it, if you want to use an uh, analogy, uh, lighting a fire, right? So, you know, you're in the middle of the field trying to ignite, ignite a fire. Once, once it's lit, it becomes this big fire, right? But you got to nurture it until it becomes this big exactly. fire. Exactly. You know, what, but, but if you look at it, look at Vita, Vita Coco, right? The guy, founder, started by you know, delivering in a van his product to stores. Uh, that's how he started. Look at vitamin water, same thing, right? They, they started in a van. Vitamin water sold for $4.1 billion to Coca-Cola 10 years later. So yep. this, is how, this is how you have to ignite the fire. You got you to do all this work yourself. You can't rely on these sh- 
these these reps they don't care they're eight to five nine to five right yeah uh, you have to we have to call the stores we have to follow up we have to make sure the devil's in the detail right we have to do everything uh to to make sure uh we call to accepting it and make sure it delivers to them and follow up with the account to rotate right to make sure it rotates exactly yeah you have to um appreciate small wins that's a that's a common um trait that every entrepreneur must have which is to appreciate winning one two three stores now if we're still targeting one two three stores in in a year that's a problem right so you obviously want to see scale but for right now the vita coco guy in his van he can only sell as much was in his van you know so he's working his his ass off all day the most he could flip was a van load, which was probably worth like two grand, you know, but that, that didn't stop him from being excited about doing that. And so when I call one store, I know the math, we'll do six units per store per week, one store, 52 weeks, it's like 800 bucks, right? So, but you got to be pumped about it and you got to get some water through the pipes. You got to move product through the pipes. You can't just plop your product out there and then say, oh, I hope it moves. You have to m- help move it through the pipe, start the fire, get the flow going, whatever metaphor you want. If you're not willing to do that, you shouldn't be in the business, period. If you think your brand's going to blow up overnight through Instagram, through Amazon, through digital media spend, it won't. And you'll actually spend so much money advertising online, by the way, that the ROI is actually worse. My time is free, so I can get a direct sale and without any advertising spend, get it onto a shelf and get people buying the product just by making these phone calls. And that's what motivates me in terms of doing these things. So you basically, we're, go ahead. No, we're, on, we're it's on the right track. I mean, it's small, small wins. Look, look, Chibani, all inspirational stories. Chibani, uh, you know, the, the guy bought a building, uh, started a started a factory two years in, in, the, in, in the process of uh, creation uh, the first order goes out to a small store in Great Neck for, uh, you know, for 30 cases. And the, you know, mixed flavors, they, 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 they were up till 1 a.m. making it. Hamdi Ulukaya with, with his three uh, employees at the time there. I, I read this story all the time. One, one of the biggest inspirational, uh, more, 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 this story motivated, more, motivated me the most, right? The guy... Uh, you know, delivers the, the merchandise in his own van and a week later calls the store and says, how is it selling? And the guy says, we're, we're, out of, we're out of stock. Yeah. From then, he always says, my problem was, uh, you know, it's not a matter of selling, it's a matter of making it. So this is all good. What we're doing is good. So you have to start somewhere. Yeah, I'm excited to see how it sells in the stores. I think it'll do, do, do super well and we'll be able to follow up on that next month. So you, Absolutely. in terms of the sales process, as an FYI for folks who are interested, you get it into the distributor and then the distributor wants deals throughout the year. So we do like three, four, five deals. They're called off invoice deals where let's say January, March, and April every year, they get a 20% discount. So whenever you ship to the distributor, they take off 20% and pocket that. And then you have to then work with the stores as well because they want deals. So like all those circulars that you buy and see, shelf tags, um, price promotions. We have to then also pay the stores and incentivize them to carry it, right? So it's two levels of incentivizing and you have to keep track of all this, right? Because it all costs money. So it's really important to be organized and to understand how it works. You're gonna have to pay the distributor. 
deals and you're going to have to pay the store deals. And it's important not to let that get out of control. So we're rocking and rolling. Mm. Yeah, we got, we got, we're in stores. We're going, we're excited. We got the formula coming out um, in, in August that has a much better margin and it's dry, which is exciting. Um, And then we also have chain presentations in the fall. So when it comes to chains, they're on a reset schedule. I've talked about this before, but all these independents that I'm calling, they can take the product in whenever they don't care. They're not really big enough to like have a, a really elaborate schedule of looking at the shelves, but a, a Trader Joe's, a Wegmans, you know, they're only going to look at the, sh- the shelves um, in a systematic way or also be, it'd be overbearing. So a lot of those presentations for the resets happen in the fall. And so we're preparing ourselves for that as well. And we have all of those retailer schedules lined up, but in the meantime, you know, I'm cycling through these independents every day. If you wonder what I'm doing, it's, it's constantly cycling through. If, if I reach out, don't hear back, I'm following up with that person a week later or four days later. If they say they're going to place an order and they don't place it, I'm following up with them two days later. Hey, haven't seen the order yet in the system, et cetera. And it's just, you just ride this Ferris wheel around and around and around. And you, you never get off. You're constantly in the sales cycle. You never put it down. Right, John? I mean, you, you can't put it down. Absolutely. Put it. Absolutely. If, if you have free time, it's okay. Who, what customer can I call or follow up with? I guarantee you there's somebody that you can call or follow up with. If you feel like you have some free time in the afternoon and that's how we look at it. John's always emailing me. I'm always emailing him about contacts and follow-ups. So that's where we're at right now. We're going to then, uh, what's the production schedule look like, um, coming up here this summer? Uh, late, late August for the milk, for the milk run. That's why I thought. Yeah. And then for the for the formula, we're thinking late late July at at, at our co-packer. Yeah, it, it could have been earlier, but one of the ingredients is, has a six week lead time, so uh, probably last week of July. Cool, cool, awesome, man. Well, that's the update that I had that I wanted to share in terms of the sales process and what we're doing, chasing these accounts. Now that we're fresh in the distributor, it's all about just grinding and moving product through and that's that's what we're doing and we've had some success we've had some failures but the consumer will ultimately prove this brand out or not and so it's our job to get it onto the shelf however we can and then we'll see if the consumer reacts to it in a positive way right definitely will definitely will cool all right man i know you got to jump so have a great day and uh i'll talk to you later you got it man bye